And sometimes we struggle. We just mad at ourselves. We don't know why. We don't feel our, ourselves. You know, so I, I need something. I need a new car or something. I got, I got to get a Corvette. Or I got to get something. I got, <laughs> you know, I got to, to make me, I got to get a new woman. You know what I'm saying? Maybe her, she the problem. You know what I'm saying? I got to get a new girlfriend, a younger version. You know what I'm saying? Come on now, I'm, 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 I'm preaching to myself, you know. Sometimes I got to get Amazon Prime, you know. They got to bring something to my house every day to make me feel, I got to anticipate the package going to be there. You, you know what I'm saying? I got to get something, a new toy, new television, new, new thermostat or something. That, you know, I got to get that buzz, you know what I'm saying, to start feeling like my old self. We even got you the commercial, you know. We got new Genics and Ageless male, you know. Ain't that Frank Thomas over there? Yes, it is. That's a <laughs> you know what I got ageless male. And trust me, she'll love it too. You know, you got all this stuff that <laughs> cause you, you you're trying to, <laughs> to 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 feel yourself. And every day by God's grace we get up. But when we get up, we don't want to just get up. We get up. We want to be who God has called us to be. We want to be there. We want to be that husband. We want to be that father. We want to be that mother. We want to be that wife. We want to be that school teacher. Whatever it is that we are, we want to be that. And I want to be effective. Anybody want to be effective in this life? And I also, I, I want to be happy. Can we just talk about that for a second? You know, I just want to be happy. I just want to feel good. But what do I really need to get through it? There's something called joy. I'm going to define it very quickly. I said I got to teach a little bit. In the world, we talk about joy, and it simply means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But I want to put up a, a definition uh, by John Piper. I like John Piper and how he simplifies things. He puts this definition for our, our, our understanding. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. I'll say it again. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit, as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Let's break that down. Joy is a virtue of the believer. All right? We ought to have joy. That, that's our characteristic. But joy is a feeling. Okay? It is a feeling. Deep on the inside. That's why we say you give me joy down deep in my soul. It's, it's how I feel on the inside. And we got to be mindful of that. It's a feeling. I feel this thing. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you feel it on the inside. It's produced by the Holy Spirit, though. It is a work of the Spirit. That's why Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is there because joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. Not our circumstances, but by the Holy Spirit. Okay? As he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and world. In other words, the Holy Spirit allows us to see the beauty of who Jesus is, right? And when we understand that even the more, that produces joy within us, right? So I don't just read that on, in the pages, but I understand that in my life. <laughs> Does that make sense? So when I understand that Christ is the bridegroom, and we are the bride, and I see how he loves his wife, 
right? I don't just read that in the book, but I can see that how that applies to my life. And even though it might be a struggle for me at times, when I look at him, I see that he's bigger and greater than my struggle, right? And I'm not, my struggles become minimal because I look to see how great he is. And when I focus on how great he is, it starts to bring joy within me. You follow? See what I'm saying? That, that, that's how this thing works. That is what our joy is. So the book of Hebrews, very quickly, he was writing to a church that had Jews and Gentiles, but he was talking specifically to the Jews because the Jews had come to know Jesus, but they were considering going back to uh, Hebrewism or, or Judaism where they were following Mosaic law. But they realized that they were free, but they were tempted to go back. And the writer is telling them, listen, do not go back. Don't go back. You don't need to go back because he reminds them that the New Testament in Jesus Christ is better. Somebody say better than the Old Testament. And he reminds that that he's not just better, but he's far better. Say far better than what we had. And so in reality, though, we got to understand this. Sometimes we've been living a certain way a lot longer. Right. And we're more familiar Right? They had practiced Judaism for years and years and years, and now they're not in their elementary stages of being Christian. Right? Many of us lived in sin a long time. And we got be, to be honest. We know sin. Right? <laughs> We're comfortable. <laughs> we know how to do that. I know how to do me. You see what I'm saying? Doing him is a little bit different. <laughs> Sometimes I get tempted to go back to doing me. You see you follow? <laughs> this is what he says. He's like, I know you know yourself a little bit better, but trust me, he's far better. And I'm here to encourage somebody, trust him that he's far better. I don't care where you come from, what you've been out of, he's still better than anything that we've ever experienced before. He's telling them, you're far better. Then he goes on to say this, verse 1. He says, God in times past has spoken through his prophets. But today, in his last days, he speaks by his son. Okay, so in times past, he spoke what? Through the prophets. But today he speaks by the Son. What does that mean? That means God spoke words to us through the prophets. But today, Jesus, his Son, is his word. Does that make sense? He ain't saying anything through somebody. He's saying, I'm giving you Christ, I ain't saying nothing else. <laughs> There is nothing else for me to say. You see what I'm saying? That's the mic drop. You see what I'm saying? Christ is the mic drop. That's it. You follow? So he says, because he's the radiance of all his glory. Everything that God is, Christ is. He's the exact imprint of his nature. He's not a replica. He's him. He's the exact him of his nature. Right? He upholds the universe by his words. This is what he says. And we got to understand that Christ shows us sacrifice. Right? But he also shows us resurrection. How many need resurrection in their life? We're not only sacrificed, but he's resurrection. Christ also shows us victory. How many need victory in their life? He shows us triumphant. Even death could not hold him down. He shows us, see, that's good. See, I'm talking about Christ now. Victory is in Jesus Christ. He shows us endless love. He shows us dying love, the love we look for, the love we want to experience. That is all shown to us in Jesus Christ. And he says, this, this is my word. Boom, Christ, that's it. Nothing else to say. So point number one, for more joy in our life, we have to find our identity in Christ. For more joy in our life, we have to find our identity in Christ. Why does this matter? See, what do we have to say that compares to what God has already spoken? 
You ever talk to somebody and you're finished talking? You see what I'm saying? You and somebody are having a conversation, right? You're going back and forth. But then you said what you've had to say. I ain't saying nothing else, right? But then they keep on talking. <laughs> you ever been there? You said, you've told them, I've said what I've had to say. But they keep on talking anyway. And this is exactly what we do. God has said what he had to say, but yet we still keep on talking. The media keeps on talking. Our black boys, they ain't ever going to make it. They're an endangered species. You better hurry up and do something quick because they're getting ready to go out of here. The divorce rate is 50%. You might as well not even get married. You ain't going to last more than five years. And they give you all this. To everybody just keep on talking and talking. You're going to go bankrupt. Right? Everybody living paycheck to paycheck. Come on in here. Then we self-talk. Anybody know what self-talk is? We talk to ourselves. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens to me. I'm always the one that's left out. <laughs> Ain't nobody care about me. Nobody called me this week, even though they called you the last 52 weeks in a year. But ain't nobody called me this week. I'm never going to get out of this. Life's not going to get any. You see what I'm saying? We keep talking. God has already spoken through his son, but yet we keep on talking. And what we got to do is close our mouth and look at the sun. Look at what Christ has already done. Look at what he, who he is. That's our identity. Our identity is victor. Our identity is conqueror. Our identity is above and not beneath. Our identity is love. Our identity is joy. Our identity is peace. Not all the stuff that we talk about. If we want more joy in our life, to experience joy, we, Christ has to be our identity. He goes on to say this. He spoke to his son. People want to say angels are equal to Jesus. And he goes on to refute it. He's like, when did Jesus, God ever say to an angel, today you're my son? He never said that. Never. He put angels where angels belong. And when Christ the firstborn came in the world, he told the angels, you need to worship him. The angels don't worship angels. So who are they worshiping? They're worshiping God. And he's talking about the son. That's why he quotes Psalms 45 and 6. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So he's referencing Jesus as God. See, Islam tries to say Jesus was just a prophet. No, no, no. No, no. He's God. He says it right here. Your throne, O God. He's talking about Jesus. will go forever and ever. He's not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. Why is this important? Because then it goes on to say, because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Point number two, for more joy, love righteousness. For more joy, love righteousness. Righteousness is doing what's right. Let's just keep it simple. <laughs> it's the sum total of God's requirements. I like to say it's simply doing the Father's will. Doing the Father's will. Why is this important? Hebrews 10 and 9, Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do thy will, O God. It's easy to say, harder to do. Come on, let's be real. Doing God's will ain't easy. Right? Jesus, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
He prayed. Drops of blood. I mean, he was praying so hard <laughs> that drops of blood were coming out of his head. He said, Father, if there be a different way for this to happen, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, what? But thy will be done. Doing God's will is not easy. But it's something that needs to be done. Because not doing God's will is disastrous. Do I got a witness in here? When you try to do the opposite of what God wants you to do, that ends up being disastrous. It'll take you into the despair. It'll take you into depression. It'll take you someplace you do not want to go. So doing God's will is important, but we got to be honest with ourselves. It's not easy to do what God wants us to do. But we can't just do God's will. We have to love it. Somebody shout love it. Somebody shout love it. Don't just do God's will. We got to love righteousness. We got to love what God loves. We got to love it. We got to embrace it. We got to go all out for it. Anybody work out? You know what I'm saying? Working out is actually the right thing to do for your body. <laughs> Let's be truthful. It is. Our bodies need us to work out. And so when we're going to work out, we can't just work out with drudgery. We got to work out and love it. You see what I'm saying? Something's a lot different when you start loving it. You see what I'm saying? I love to actually work out. I love to do my push-ups. I love to do my, I love to get on the treadmill. Somebody help me out in here. We got, we've got to love doing it. And how many know that working out is not easy? See, getting up early to work out definitely is not easy. After work, working out is definitely not easy. When you're tired, dropping down to do 100 push-ups, guess what? That's not easy. But he didn't say love was easy. He said love was right. See, there's a big difference. We fall in love with what's easy. Come on, talk to me, somebody. We look at our college courses and say, which one's easier? <laughs> we look at our high school curriculum and say, which one of these classes is easier? We want to know who's the easiest professor that we can take <laughs> so we can do the least amount of work to get the best grade possible that we can keep this thing moving. Now, we might have learned a thing in that class, but at least we... <laughs> see, see, <laughs> we want to look by what is easy. If he doesn't say love what's easy, loving easy is not going to bring you joy. He said loving what's right is what's going to bring us joy. See, forgiving others, guess what? That's not easy. <laughs> Forgiving you after you don't curse me out, huh? posted about me, lied on me, and you still want me to forgive you. But I just can't do it. I got to love it. I love forgiving people, don't you? You just got to learn how to love forgiveness. I love forgiving you. Yeah, baby, you don't curse me out to heaven and back, but I, I, I just love this thing. Come on in here. I love forgiving you. I love doing certain things. We got to love it. It's not easy. We got to love wives. You got to love honoring your husband. Got to love it. Even when he acts like a knucklehead, you still. <laughs> if you want some joy, don't just do it. Love it. You, husband with your wife, you got to love your wife and you got to love loving your wife. Even when she's acting unlovable. Guess what? Love it. I, I just, God, I thank you for this because I just love the fact that I get to love my wife. She's acting crazy right now, but I love her anyway. Come on in here, somebody. We got to love it. We got to love telling the truth. We got to love telling the truth. But I tell you this, telling a lie is so much easier at times. Did you do it? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Because telling the truth will get us in trouble. But we got to be willing to tell the truth even when it's difficult. It's not about what's easy. It's about what's true and what's right. And we got to love it. We got to love being givers. Come not talk to us. Some here, somebody. 
Giving ain't always easy, but we got to love it. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver because we got to love doing it. Why? Because Jesus is a giver. He gave his life so that you and I could have righteousness. And so we got to be givers. We got to love doing it. We got to train ourselves that this might not be easy, but it's the right thing to do. And when something's right, I got to love doing it. Why is that important? Because when you love it, it'll, it'll get you up every single day. <laughs> See, doing what's right will get you up out your bed. <laughs> doing what's right will take you out of that depression because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> you see, what I'm it keeps me in the race. You see what I'm saying? I, 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 I love this thing and I'm pushing myself because it's the right thing to do. How do you think Jesus got to the cross? This is what he's saying. When, when people lied on him, how do you think he got to the cross? When the people who backstabbed him, how do you think he got to the cross? When his boy Peter, I mean, this is my boy, Peter tells folk, I don't know him. Can you imagine your boy standing in front of the police saying, no, I don't even know that cat. <laughs> he, he may be able to keep you out of jail when he talk about, no, nah, I don't even know him. Not once, but three times. <laughs> and then Judas Judas. But here comes Judas puckering up, giving him a kiss on his cheek. Betraying him for $500. That's all he was worth? $500? Could you imagine being sold out for $500? And you want me to die for you? <laughs> Are you serious right now? I created you, but you laughing at me talking about save yourself. <laughs> I, cre I, I, I breathe life into you, and you're daring me to come down. <laughs> I can call 10,000 angels and be out of this thing in a, in, a, in a second, a millisecond. You can't even count it. But you want me to die for people who are sitting there mocking me and, and stoning me and beating me. I created you. I made you. I formed you out my mouth. But you're backstabbing me, and you want me to die? Yep, that's exactly what he did. But it wasn't because it was easy. <laughs> it's because that's what the father wanted. <laughs> and that's what was right. <laughs> and so he got up every single day out of them 33 years being misunderstood, being talked about, being forgotten. What got him up every day? What was right? This thing good. We're going to get to it in a minute. <laughs> it's good. See, that, that's what got him going. He says, oh, God, your throne lasts what? Forever and ever because you have loved righteousness. Next point. For more joy in our life, we've got to hate lawlessness or hate what's wrong. So not only do we have to love righteousness, we got to hate what's wrong. And don't just hate it. We got to hate it, hate it. <laughs> what I mean by is we just can't avoid it. We actually have to hate it. See, when we see injustice, we have to hate injustice. God does. He does. This is Domestic Violence Month, Awareness Month. Right? When we see stuff, we just can't snicker at it. Even if it's challenging for us. The true story, I came home from church one day a few years ago. was living in an apartment. We were a young family then. We're walking home, and there was a 
commotion going on between a lady and, and, and a guy. And you could see it through the window. And she was screaming, get off me. And he was, looked like he was choking her. And so me and this other gentleman, we looked up there. And he said, you trying to go do something? I said, okay, let's go. So we went in. He grabbed a fire extinguisher. Right? So we go. We knock on the door. Open the door. What do you want? She comes out. We said, well, we, we, we heard something was going on. We just want to make sure you're right. This woman jumps out, cussed us up from down the street and back, okay, was angry at us. We, we trying to help you, right? And so the guy says, well, all right then, and we leave. But that moment could have scarred me to say, well, if I see a problem, I'm never going to help again. You see what I'm saying? Because I tried to help, but all I did was get cussed out. See, when we go through life at times, and, and, and we're, we've been fragile, we've been broken by certain things that sometimes when we see injustice and stuff, we don't want to act. But he says that when you see what God doesn't like, you got to hate what God doesn't like, and you got to be willing to step up to the plate because that's what's going to bring you there. You see what I'm saying? We got to hate what God hates. When we see immorality, we just can't laugh at it. See, that's, that's what we do in this generation. Immorality gets joked on. We put it on social media, and we just start laughing at, at ignorance. We think it's funny when people are doing ignorant stuff. You see what I'm saying? And we laugh at it, but we, we, it doesn't make us angry. We're not upset about it. We're not, we're not mad. We don't hate it. And this is what we got to do. In order for us to have joy in our life, we've got to hate what God hates. We can't love Jesus and kiss on the truth and go home and live a lie. You see what I'm saying? That's just adultery. You say you're in love with the truth, but you're living a lie. No, no, no. We got to hate <laughs> what God hates. Because guess what? That brings you to the fight. That's going to get you up out of bed. See, because when, when injustice is taking place and immorality is taking place and you hate it, it's another reason to step up and live. You're like, man, you got deep on us. I'll bring it out. Watch. It's important because it keeps us going. And here it is. He says this. He says, thy throne, O God, lasts forever and ever because you love righteousness, hated lawlessness. And watch this. He says, therefore... Therefore means because of what just took place. Your God has anointed you. <laughs> he has anointed you with the oil of gladness or the oil of joy. Gladness, joy, same thing. He said because of that, you've got an anointing of joy. This thing right here is messing me up. He says, Jesus, because of this, you've been anointed with an anointing of gladness or the oil of joy. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. But as a man, he needed anointing. As God, he didn't need anointing. But as a man, he needed anointing. 
And guess what? If Jesus needed an anointing, we need an anointing. If Jesus needed anointing, we need anointing. And anointing symbolizes a couple of things. One, it shows that something was set apart for God's use. So in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was anointed. The table was anointed. The utensils were anointed. The lampstand was anointed and so on because it was set apart for God. Now watch this. Anointing also showed that someone was set apart for God. First Samuel chapter 16, the Bible says that Samuel anointed David to be king. And the Bible says he took his horn of oil and poured the oil over David, signifying that he was set apart to be king. In Old Testament, prophets were set apart. Kings were set apart. Priests were set apart. Jesus was the only one that was all three. Okay? And so he's the, uh, the anointing was placed there. Now watch this. This wasn't just any anointing. It wasn't just a, a, any oil. See, we have olive oil, right? We, we, we use this olive oil to signify the anointing. But this anointing was a special anointing. It was a holy anointing. Exodus chapter 30 talks about it. It had 500 shekels of myrrh. I'm just going through some stuff. I'm going to get to the point of it. 500 shekels of myrrh, 250 milligrams of cinnamon. Anybody like cinnamon? 250 shekels of calamus. 500 shekels of cassia. And five, five, about five quarts of oil. It was a special oil. Now, here's what God said. He said, this is holy oil. It's anointing oil. You don't use this, this ingredients, this combination for any other purpose for sanctifying stuff. That's what he said. And if you do, I'm, you're going to get cut off from your people. In other words, you're going to die. So don't touch, don't, don't try to fabricate this. Don't play with this. Don't put it on your body if you ain't sacrificed or sanctified for one of these purposes. Because if you do, you will die. This is not for you. It's not common consumption. It's no joking matter. This is what he says to him. But he says, Jesus had been anointed with this kind of oil. And anointing is representative of the Holy Spirit. How many realize that? It's representative of the Holy Spirit. So we understand that Jesus was anointed beyond measure. What that means is that you can't measure how anointed he was. <laughs> Jesus had everything beyond measure. He was grace beyond measure, joyous beyond measure, anointed beyond measure. We can't measure it. There's no measuring stick, tape, cup, whatever, that can measure how anointed he is. But how do we know that we, we got measurable <laughs> anointing? See, because the Bible said Jesus was anointed higher or more so than any of his companions. In other words, there's nobody that could touch him but his anointing. But the gospel is... We have an anointing that comes from Jesus. See, this is where it gets better. Because he was anointed, and if I'm in him, guess what that says about me? <laughs> I'm anointed. And if he had an anointing of gladness, guess what that says about me? <laughs> I got an anointing of gladness. If the Holy Spirit enabled him to get to the cross, the Holy Spirit can enable me to get to where I got to go. <laughs> Come on in here. If the Holy Spirit can enable him to get to the Calvary, he can get me through a graduation. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit enabled him to get to Calvary, he can get me through this divorce process. 
He can change this thing. Oh, come on in here. He can get me through it. If the anointing is, can get him to Calvary, he can get me through these marital problems. If the anointing can get him to Calvary, he can definitely get me through these challenges where I'm having with my children. If the anointing can get him to, come on in here. If that anointing can get him through that, he can get me through the challenge that I'm going through on my job. If the anointing can get him through, he can get me through this lack of direction I'm going through in my life. If the anointing can carry Jesus through all of that, the anointing of gladness can carry me through what I'm going through. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will illuminate who Jesus is. I may be going through a problem, but he's bigger than my problem. That's why the Holy Spirit would say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The anointing is bigger than any challenge that comes at me. That's why no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me I shall condemn, because when the enemy comes at me this way, anointing shows that God is bigger than what I'm going through, that he triumphs over every issue that I face, triumphs over every tongue that tries to speak against me. He triumphs over every situation that I face. <laughs> he's bigger than that. Tell somebody he's bigger than that. <laughs> he's bigger than bankruptcy. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's bigger than that. <laughs> he's bigger than poverty. Yes, he is. <laughs> because he's all things and all things consumed by him. The cow on a thousand hill belong to him. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than depression because he is life. He's not just the giver of life. He's life himself. He can speak life into your body. I don't care how dead you are. You can be dead because he is the resurrection. He's bigger than that. The Holy Spirit will remind us that he's bigger than all of this. Oh, this is some good stuff. See, this is what joy is really about uh, because my circumstances really don't matter anymore. I'm delivered from circumstance. I don't care what I'm facing. He's bigger than that. Uh, and if God is walking with me through the shadow of death, guess what? I will fear no evil because he's with me because he's bigger than that. Uh, he's bigger than darkness. Uh, he's bigger than blindness. Uh, he's bigger than deafness. Uh, he's bigger than ignorance. Uh, he's just bigger and he's better than all that. See, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of all this. No matter what we're going through, situations don't matter. Circumstances don't have to scare us any longer because he's bigger than that. And when we see how the beauty of who Jesus is, not just reading it out of a page, but experiencing it in my life, he's bigger than my husband acting like a nut. He's bigger than that. <laughs> he's bigger. He's turned more nuts around than your husband. <laughs> He'll do He's bigger than that. Oh, Jesus. And I start feeling a whole lot better when I realize he's bigger. I don't have happiness. I start to get joy. See, I start to get joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that people can't take from me. Joy you can't rob from me. Whether I'm up or whether I'm down, I still, because it's on the inside. I got to go, but we got to understand something. Not only is it, is it, is it better uh, looking wise, but it smells better. Somebody say smells better. So you got to realize that too many of us stink. Come on in here. 
Not just the funk that's under our arms, but our attitude is stinky. Our disposition is stinky. And we wonder why ain't nobody coming to church because you look stinky and you smell stinky. You don't look like you got any joy, any hope, any gladness in you. Why do I want to come to your church when you look disgusted and broke up? Why do I want to do when all you can do is cuss and, and complain and, and blame situations on other people? Why do I want any part of that? Listen, you got to understand that the anointing has cinnamon and all this stuff in it. It smelled good. You see what I'm saying? See, people knew who was anointed because you could smell them a mile away. You could smell the anointing a mile away. When the priest or king was anointed, when they were coming, you could smell them going into service. You could smell them coming. And what God is saying that we got to start smelling good because a generation that brings revitalization has to have an anointing of gladness. We can't be a bunch of sad sacks in here not knowing who Jesus is in our own life. And a generation that's going to be saved got to have people who know about Jesus already and are already glad. You don't get glad when you get there, you get glad before you're there. Come on, you want to minister to somebody, don't get glad when you're there. You got to get glad before you go there. There's an anointing that comes from Jesus. I'm not here to help you to get glad. I'm already glad. My anointing's already here. My sister, I want to bless you in Jesus' name. Why? Because I'm already anointed. I'm not waiting to experience my anointing. I already got my anointing. I can serve you with gladness because I'm already anointed. You can serve your wife with the oil of joy. Why? Because you already got the joy. You don't got to wait for her to turn around. You don't got to wait for her to talk nice to you. It's your pleasure to serve her because I already got the joy. I already got the anointing. Stop waiting for the anointing that you've already got. I've got joy. If you've been saved, if you've been delivered, if you've been set free, if the Spirit abides on the inside of you, you've got a joy that's unspeakable, a joy that's full of glory, a joy that the world can't take from you. There's an anointing. The fragrance of this room ought to change. We ought to stop smelling musty and start smelling sweet. It is sweet to know Jesus. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Joy. See, we can have joy. When Deaconess Ursula gets healed, we can have joy in our body, not because of circumstances, because of what God is doing in her life. When God touches you, we can have joy. We got to feel better <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I just feel good right now because I got the joy of the Lord. <laughs> I want to pray quickly. Some of us here, if we're going to be honest, we don't, we're not operating in our joy. I want to pray for you right now. You can come to the altar real quick if that's you. You're not operating in your joy because the devil's lied to you, made circumstances look bigger than they are, made situations look like they're bigger than Christ. You're still hearing all the talk when God already said the last word more than 2,000 years ago. It's already settled. It's already done. It's done already. He said it. In him, there's life. 
in him there's hope. You got joy. It don't mean we don't go through stuff, but there's still joy. There's still joy unspeakable. You can't explain this joy because it comes from knowing who Jesus is. Joy, 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 the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. This ain't cologne. Cologne evaporates. Oil remains. This is an oil. Oil. 